you know, because you said you used the word you know, internal referrals are a strategy, and I, I actually don't think they're a strategy at all. They're a dream. They're a they're a wish. You know, yes. um, the strategy is is something that creates an outcome. And, and to say that you focus on internal referrals um, is is it's too fluffy a descriptor. So um, so the, you have to be um, doing behaviours that create a response. Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast, where we guide natural health and wellness experts through the pitfalls of marketing. Each episode, you'll learn simple, effective, easily actionable, and heart-centered marketing strategies. And here's your host, Angus Pike. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, friends. Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast. Now, there's been a theme that I've been running recently. You look back through my previous episodes, this will be three out of my last four guests, all being called Tony. Now, I'm not quite sure how long I can keep this theme going for, so any Tonys out there that want to be on the podcast, then reach out to me. <laughs> However, this Tony here is one of my dearest, dearest friends in the world. I feel like we have shared in some of the greatest joys together, but also shared in some of the trickiest times of our life together. Welcome to yep. the podcast. Dr. Tony Croak. G'day, buddy. G'day, mate. It's really nice to be on. Really looking tell you, forward to this. I, I've been wanting to reach out and make this happen forever. And then I kept going, oh, it's coming up to Christmas. I went, you know what? He's one of my dearest friends. I'm going to bust his chops and see if I can get him in before Christmas. <laughs> so thanks for making this happen, man. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm really excited. Yeah, it's yeah. nice to be on. Now, for um, you're not an Australian chiropractor and not knowing you, but for some of our international guests that might not be aware of your fame, then let's just take a couple of moments, give them a bit of a background story, what you do, what kind of brings us to here, how long you've been in the world of chiropractic for, et cetera, et cetera. I'm a pretty big deal. You are. That goes without saying. <laughs> there are leather-bound books behind you, I would imagine, <laughs> are looking. so uh, you are a big deal. That goes without saying. Mate, um, so I, I began my involvement with chiropractic in 1987 when I went to RMIT. Um, and um, and I've been, it took me a while to do that. It took me six years instead of five. Right. But, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I want to get my money's worth. So, uh, so I did second year twice. Yes. Yeah. 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 How did so that come tips about? For, tips for young students. Don't get a crazy girlfriend. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, um, I just lost the plot there for a little while. And uh, at one stage, decided I was going to go and become a stockbroker. This was about, this was about uh, just after the 87 stock market crash. That was October 87. Yes. So it was about a year after that. Everyone had kind of calmed down and I was starting to make money again. And my girlfriend worked at the time, worked in, uh, in the stock market industry. And uh, everyone had those, those fancy braces and big ties. Yes, and it all looked pretty good. So, uh, so for a while there, I thought I'd do that. So I didn't sit my exams at the end of second year and decided I'd, um, I'd uh, go and study commerce and uh, something else, economics or something, um, with a view to doing that. And so uh, I handed in my resignation to to Joan, who was the, the admin lady at uh, RMIT at the time, and then. Brian Kelly came around to my house. He said, mate, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm going to go and do finance. And he's like, he said, at the end of your life, do you want to have a, a life full of numbers or a life full of faces? What do you want? And I'm like, oh, you bastard. <laughs> so I jumped in my car, drove back around to see Joan at RMIT. And uh, I said, oh, you haven't got that letter still, have you? And this is about, I don't know, a week later. And she pulled it out of the drawer and she bought this one and uh, hadn't, hadn't uh, put it into the system. So uh, wow. I had to go and sit in a, um, in a academic uh, progress meeting, which is a nice way of saying, this guy seems like he's a bit of an idiot. So should we kick him out or not? And um, had um, our, our anatomy lecturer, Siba Chandraj, yes. um, batting for me in my corner so hard. And I still to this day, I understand it because I was not the finest anatomy student, but uh, she convinced the rest of the board to keep me on. So, uh, so yes, that's why it took me an extra year because I had to go and do that second half, second year again. And then um, uh, got out, practiced 
um, in a, a group practice down in Gippsland in Eastern Victoria mm. here in Australia for a couple of years or so and then bought a practice in uh, that we started in uh, early 94. So we're coming up 26 years next wow. month uh, that we've been here. So that's kind of how I got here. Um, mm. Yeah. Sorry. What um, one of the pleasures? There's been a, f a few friends that I've had the opportunity of being on here, and you don't. It, it would be awkward for us for me to interview you in any other circumstance. And not this is an interview, but it's a mm. conversation. I, I can't believe of you know of the twenty years that I've known you. I've never heard that story. Dead set. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I like it so close, dude. You know what? I I if it had it been me, I would have come around to your house. I just said, go for it, dude. Man, just get the cash, <laughs> the cocaine. Like, oh, you would have been straight into Wolf of Wall Street. So uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, yep. that's what I am imagining. So uh, I'm that far off, like driving my Lamborghini into every pole in uh, LA. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What, um, York, what, what Tony hasn't told you here is he, he, he is, what, that's what surprised me about you not getting through that year. Because Tony's quite possibly one of the most intelligent people that I know and he didn't tell us a part of his resume here um sale of the century which I, I'm sure it's not just an Australian show is it it's it's I think the closest thing in the in the US is a show like Temptation yes yeah you're even a bit yeah. kind of jeopardy-ish like kind of similar sort yeah. of thing yeah too and how many nights in a row did you win that before you took the goods and ran away uh two yeah yeah I won won the first night by fair way yes and one a um, a trip to Thailand, all business class airfares and stuff. So the place we stayed in Bangkok, the previous guests were Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in our yeah. in our room, and uh, and then the guy before me had won that, and he'd also won an Alfa Romeo. And right. I'm like, this is this is easy. I'm yes. coming back to win the Alfa. So I came back, and instead of winning the Alfa, I won a little two-person um, camper trailer. Right. It was worth about 15 grand. So, um, but I won by a dollar on the last question because I knew that Baton Rouge was the capital city of Louisiana. So I, um, I, um, I at that point, realised that I wasn't as smart as I thought I might have been and uh, better to take the money and run. So um, to continue the stock market theme, I sold that camper trailer for $15,000. Nice. Uh, we're now talking about the year 2000, so the dot-com boom. Mm. And I invested that in a company called World School. Now, you might not have heard of World School because they don't exist anymore. Right. And neither is my $15,000. Right. So I think that last time I, I looked at that, it was worth about, I don't know, $28.50 or something. So, yeah, okay. Waiting for that bubble to burst again to get back in there, hey? <laughs> It's got to come now, back soon. It's got to come back. Now, listen, one of the things, because we, we could talk about uh, Sale of the Century game shows and uh, dropping out of college forever, but what we're actually going to talk about today is the process of the internal referral. And it's, I, I kind of had a little bit of an aha moment with this. I'm very slow. I'm not nearly as clever as what you are. And what, what I, in talking to so many different practitioners, Often there is this idea when I talk to them about what's your marketing strategy, it's like internal referrals. That's, you know, that's the way to build a practice, internal referrals, internal referrals. And it comes from a little bit of the idea of if you build it, they will come. You know, our job is all about just kind of looking after people and then let the new patients kind of come from that. And they're beautiful concepts that are driven around there too. But what, what I kind of realized to be able to articulate is that's a strategy and we we're talking about it beforehand. In the same way, yeah. yes, yeah. it's a it's a stunning strategy because we internal referrals, without a doubt, they're the m most wonderful kind of patients to look after. They come in the door pre-selected. It's like you already know each other because you've had that third party edifying us. So it's a great thing. But there's a strategy behind internal referrals, whereas mm. most people say internal referrals and I go, well, how do you actually make that happen? And then there's deathly silence. So... Yeah. Yeah, which I went, ah, I got it. And, and so I thought, who better to come on and talk about this than uh, it's, it's been your single focus last six years or maybe even a little longer? Yeah, a bit longer. I think um, to kind of talk through the arc of my practice experience, um, 
we started off in a practice back in 94 that that uh, was open on a Tuesday afternoon between two and seven. Uh, and I bought yes. that. And they hadn't seen a new patient for six months because they just couldn't fit them in. And yeah. a great practitioner, um, Eric Dauka. And, um, and so then we opened up a couple of days a week and then we opened up a bit more, a bit more, a bit more. And, and so it, it really grew from pent up um, demand um, based on, on Eric's work. And then, you know, we just tried to follow that through. Um, and then that kind of found its natural kind of plateau. And, um, so then we, we, um, started doing some training with, uh, CJ Mertz back in, I guess, around that sort of late nineties, early two thousands, mm. where the focus was really on driving, uh, your marketing quite hard, um, very, uh, down the line. Um, this is the way we do it. Uh, you know, get on board or get out of the way sort of thing. Um, and, uh, our results were really good. Like, mm. you know, the busiest I've ever been in practice was when we had that really, really hard line around things. Um, and, uh, we did a lot of external stuff, a lot of screenings, a lot of letterbox drops, a lot of things. And, you know, we could, we could spend, um, I can't remember, maybe it cost us a couple of thousand bucks to do a letterbox drop in the local area and we'd get 60 or 80 new patients from it. And, mm. uh, and that all come through and we'd you know, tell them the story and some of them get on and some of them get out of the way. And, and uh, you know, we saw lots of new patients and then the letterbox drops just stopped working mm. and the screenings stopped being as effective. And um, we've always tracked our internal referrals and, everything just fell off a cliff like in within 18 months we went from um I don't know, uh, we've dropped to about a half of our new patient flow yes yeah and a uh, confluence of factors there i think um uh, people got tired of being told so hard yeah uh, what to do um i think people stop reading their mail, people stopped. Um, life just gets busier. It used to be that people would wander through a shopping center and they power walk to go from mm. wherever they got to get to if they have to go to a shopping center at all because they can't get it on Amazon. So, um, so lots of things just changed all at once. It's um, a, it's a, it was a reflection really of the power of new and different. You know, it's, it was exciting, you know, nobody was really doing screenings at the time. And, you know, because no. when at the same time, we were both clients of CJ Mertz, you know, mm. if we were to do a screening for the day, I mean, really, if, if you didn't get 30 new patients from it, then it was like, oh, I don't know that I'm going to do it. You know, I mm. talk to practitioners now that, you know, I was talking to Matt the other day that a good day for him is 10, like a whole day standing there, return is, is 10. And that's... <clears throat> Many reasons, as you mentioned, about there too, but it, I think it is a reflection of new and different. You know, when we've seen that enough times, it just we don't see it anymore. Mm, mm. So I started asking questions and going, "Well, what am I doing? What's happening here?" And and you know, whilst I've listed off a few external factors, um, none of those are particularly helpful because I don't have much control of them. Mm. So you know, I thought, okay, I can either be um, blaming all that stuff or I can go, what's, where's, where does my responsibility lie in this? And where, cause that's where the power is. You know? um, and if I was to take a complete responsibility for that change, then, then what did I do? And, um, and so that's kind of where our journey began about how do we, how do we um, deliver a service that speaks for itself? That is, um, you know, Steve Francis would say remarkable in the literal sense of people have to talk about it. Um, uh, so um, that's, that's been kind of really the, 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 uh, the driver of everything we've done ever since then. Because in, yeah. in, inside that practice model, <clears throat> my experience speaking for me here is you're either in or you're out. And speaking mm. from my perspective here, I actually didn't make it, make people feel really good when they were out either. Like I didn't mm. do a great job of, you know, it, it really was. If you're not really prepared to be 
you and your family getting checked once a week, once every two weeks for the rest of your life, then it's not that I, I, I just didn't make people feel good about their decision not to come and see me. And so yeah. as a result, this whole concept of there being a reactivation is like, well, that's not going to happen. I've burnt these people because yes. I, I was an asshole. Like I'm really clear about it now. I'm very embarrassed about a lot of my behaviours through that kind of five or six years of practice there too. They had their chance, I guess. They had their chance. Yes. And they blew it. And, and we, you know what? And, 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 yeah. As Martin Harvey would talk about, we get ourselves into some kind of circle jerk, each yeah. telling each other how great we are. Yep. When in actual fact, no one... And I think, you know, your stunning wife was one of the first people to raise her hand and say, you guys are actually acting a little bit like jerks. Like, mm. you know, it was, I, yes. I started to hear Tiff saying it early on. Like, yes. oh, and we, we have all these in many ways and I hear it lots and, and I think we should all look out for, because sometimes the thing that's often said is that the end uh, justifies the means. If it's mm. all about saving lives, making a difference, and if I need to be a bit pushy and along the way there too, then, you know, it's about their lives. I'm like, ah, maybe. Mm. You know, I used to think that's true. I don't now. Mm. You know, mm. I have to, I've, I've had some realisations that, where my role is along someone's health journey that has it very different. So there's lots of factors. I think that you in particular, who are in a small rural community, you know, you fished out that pond much faster than the rest of us did. You know, I'm Mm. CBD of Melbourne. I, you know, my surrounding area within a three kilometer radius, I've got 750,000 people. You didn't have that. No. Yeah. No, no. We had about, when I started about six and there's now about probably, now, within a within a twenty minute drive, there's, there's probably hundred thousand people now. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's only in recent years, you know. So uh, that's probably doubled in the last ten years. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it. I think I think uh, two things: smaller community, so you you get that effect faster. You get the feedback a little bit more immediately, um, uh, and uh, as you mentioned, um, uh, you said I'm oh, smart. Really, I think probably the smartest thing I've ever done was marry my wife. <laughs> um, so I've been I've been yes. uh, living off her intelligence ever since. And uh, yeah, no, she's she uh, she has a very good bullshit detector, and um, and and also a really beautiful way of delivering yeah. uh, that without saying that's bullshit. Yes. Where she actually makes you feel kind of okay about yourself, even though you. You've been a rude asshole. So, um, so yeah, she's she's uh, she's wonderful. Yeah, she she is wonderful, and she does have a a, a level of emotional intelligence that's second to none. You know, mm. and there are so many different levels of book smart and stuff like that too. But when it comes to that level of emotional intelligence, watching what's going on with human interaction, being able to see and to show empathy and compassion in a way that, um, yeah. You know, I, mm. back to, I might get Tiffany on here in the third. I couldn't yeah. get another Tony, so I'll get a <laughs> Tiffany. She would be so valuable. I, I, I will do that. So this all led to you really going, okay, what, where can I get inside it? Because I can't control who's going to the supermarket, not going to the supermarket, who's opening the mail, the not. Mm. But it, it, it opened up this idea of, you know, I can be in control of internal referrals. And had you looking at what are the ingredients that ultimately lead to me being able to sustainably create internal referrals? That, that that's was the journey that kind of began out of a lot of that. Yes? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then that came down to, you know, because you said, you used the word, you know, internal referrals are a strategy. And I, I actually don't think they're a strategy at all. They're a dream. They're a, they're a wish, you know. Yes. Um, a strategy is is something that creates an outcome. And, and to say that you focus on internal referrals, um, is, is it's too fluffy a descriptor. So, um, so the, you have to be... Um, doing behaviors that create a response and um and if you're not doing that then then what you're doing is is saying i can't be bothered doing marketing um and i'll just hope that people refer people in and they will sometimes because you know chiropractic's fantastic and sometimes despite our best efforts people still still uh, will refer to us you know mm. um, uh, um but um but if we're not um, consciously driving that 
and and leading that and helping to create situations where people will refer, um, then we're left um, uh, hoping or one of my pet peeves is asking people for referrals. So who do you know who needs blah, 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 um, which, you know, I, I've been to some really nice restaurants around Melbourne. It's one of the best cities in the world for food. And not once has anyone come up to me in the middle of a, a beautiful meal and said, oh, by the way, who else do you know who needs a great steak like this? Mm. It doesn't happen. No. They just know that they'll deliver the goods and I'll go home and go, Gus, you've got to go check out this place. It's fantastic. Yes. You have to talk about it. Um, and people are, people are um, going through their, their lives aching for those sort of stories to share with people. They want stuff that they can go, oh, I've just found the best thing because that helps them feel good to be able to then go and tell their mates and their family about a great experience that they had that they know someone else will enjoy. Um, and I think our job is just to provide that um, and then make it frictionless for them to, to share the story, mm. you know, share the experience. There, there are a couple of points I want to double tap on there just for our listeners to kind of get, because you're right. The concept of saying, you know, the, that that internal referrals is my strategy. It, it's still up to somebody else ultimately mm. whether they tell their friend or not. And so, therefore, you say, well, what are what is in within your control is the kind of care that you deliver, the environment that it's delivered with, all of those things in there. That the ingredients ultimately that might lead towards somebody the end result of which them saying, ah, oh, man, Angus, you've got to go along and see Tony. He's fabulous. That's what you focused on. So when you kind of reverse engineered, what are the, what's the environment that's most likely lead to an internal referral? Is that what you mean by in terms of the, the internal referral is a dream? The, the yes. Steps beneath it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So for example, one of the things that we've done in the last couple of years uh, is we've gone from an open plan practice to we, we gutted the whole place and rebuilt the practice to now have individual um, adjusting rooms. Yes. So we'll see, see people in, in closed rooms again. Um, and not because that was my ideal, um, although, well, I used to like working in open plan because it was fast, it was efficient. Um, uh, you can be telling one person something and someone else is going to hear it at the table next and so you're kind of, educating across the room and um and so there's some upside to that particularly from a practitioner perspective um although it's handy for you know a mum and four rambunctious kids not to be locked in a little space so you know kind of good for that too um but more and more the feedback we got was i don't feel quite comfortable um visit to visit sharing what's going on um and um now, as uh, Russ Rosen talks about from visit to visit, touch, tell, ask, and teach. Mm. You know, this nerve runs to your ovaries. Um, often people who get this will get period pain. How's your period pain been? While Harry, the post office guy, is, is on the table next door. Yeah, I started to feel, I started to feel like I was, I was out of integrity and, and not respecting people by asking those questions in those environments. And I'm sure there's ways to do it. I just didn't have the, didn't have the skills or, or the nuance to be able to do that well where people would feel okay about answering that question. Um, and so we put up, we put up walls. And, um, uh, and the very first adjustment I gave, February 14, 2018, was a guy who'd been coming to see me for a few months with a, a naggy, craggy lower back. And uh, I said, now these nerves, they run to, uh, you know, bowels, bladder, kidneys, reproductive organs. Um, have you noticed any problems with anything like that? He goes, oh, yeah, like erectile dysfunction. Mm. And I'm like, really? How long has that been going on for? And he said, oh, a few months, probably since this back got sore. And I said, no, oh, you've never told me this before. He goes, well, I was going to tell you out there. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that was the very first adjustment. And I was like, okay, righto. Um, and so the the... Um, the level of connection has been better you know, since that. Um, and, and it was really driven by the feedback we were getting from clients around. Sometimes I feel like that because if one person tells you that, then probably you know, 
10, 20, 50 times that many people are, are thinking it. Mm. So, um, so we, we invested pretty heavily in, in uh, rebuilding. How did you go about soliciting that feedback? What was your process? So we do, we do a progress exam of some type every 12 visits. Yes. Um, and every second one of those, we get people to do a little form that says, you know, rate us, you know, yeah, their promoter score type thing. Um, and, um, you know, what are your goals? These were your goals at the last review. How you've been going with that? What are your goals in terms of your health and well-being at the moment? Um, and how can we help you with that? And about us, how's it all going? How are you feeling like your, your experience is? You know, tell us everything. Um, and, and if they can't give us something, you know, I'll usually ask them, you, you, know, you just said we're fantastic. That doesn't help me. Like, if you had to make something better, what would it be? And yes. so I dig a little bit um, when I go through that, the results of that form with them. And, and often it would be, wow, it'd be nice to, you know, have a little bit more privacy. And so then, you know, we just, we just work from there. Yeah. yeah. That willingness to ask. Um, it's interesting because we have a similar process there too, but not once have I ever um, like dived a bit deeper. I think that's a really, you know, glaringly obvious <laughs> all this time because we ask for that kind of feedback. Mm -hmm. But there's that next dive in where the real answer comes from. Like, uh, you know, often. I'm seeing that now that, um, you know, often the simplest avenue through to the answer is, is the best. So you, you made some changes inside of that too. I, <clears throat> Some other interesting and again, I think equally brave changes that you made is you, you really changed the hierarchy of how things work with your staff also. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you explain a little bit about that, share about that, and then perhaps talk about the results that have come from you doing that? Mm. So um, as we talked about, you know, that, that, um, that chiropractic weight factor um, of, of if you go to a seminar and someone says, oh, I'm, you know, I had this person in and I told them what for and, you know, yeah. and they didn't get it. So they just weren't ready for me. And so then the rest of us all sit around and go, yeah, good on you, fair enough. You know, like, you don't want those dirty scumbags just dirtying up your practice anyway. You, just want you held people. the line. Yeah, yeah, good on you. So we can all walk around, you know, beat our chest and feel great about it. Um, and then um, we go back out into the world and we're dealing with normal human beings who are rational. Mm. and have their own, um, you know, Seth Godin talks about sonder, their own internal processes going on, their own, you know, we've all got those little thoughts in our mind that are just kind of ticking around. Mm. And the word for that is sonder. And we've all got our own sonder. And, um, and very often early in my practice career, well, not early, the first 20 years, um, I, I was taking a lot of notice of my own internal processes and not much notice of anybody else's. Mm. And what I've realized is as I flip that, that that's really useful. And um, one of the ways to understand how normal people think is to ask normal people. And our, our, uh, our team, our CAs and our support team are normal people. They're not, they haven't spent years um, studying chiropractic at university. They haven't spent years then um, uh, kind of indoctrinating themselves in all of that, that philosophical understanding, which is wonderful but can um, can shift it out, shift us a long way away from the from the worldview of someone who's who's um, dealing with a health challenge and trying to get some answers for it and have been used to going to see their local general practitioner or somebody similar and being dealt with a certain way and you know getting a medication or a or a um, you know some sort of explanation um, that tells them why they're broken and how it's going to get fixed. And, mm. and it's usually, you know, you know, you go to the dentist, you go every six months. Um, sometimes they'll do stuff. Sometimes they won't, but you know, it's every six months. So heaps of people go to the dentist. It's, a, it's not that big a deal. Um, we talk about, you know, come every week or every couple of weeks or well, you know, it's not like going to the dentist. That's a big deal. And so that has to make sense for people. And until it does, then, then uh, we just seem a bit crazy because mm. we don't fit the rest of all of what their experiences is of healthcare. Um, and so having our team 
give feedback to us about all sorts of stuff has been wonderful. And so, you know, people often, especially this time of year, because it's coming up to Christmas, you know, people say to my my team, or say to me, are you giving the, the team some time off? And I say, well, it doesn't work like that. They give me time off when they think it's okay. So um, that's that's kind of a bit of an example of how, how we run things in our practice. We're very much there. You know, I, I wear the CEO hat, but mm. when I take that off and I'm a practitioner, I mm. certainly sit uh, lower on the totem pole than the, than the guys running the front desk. Yeah. I, 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 want, I want our listeners to understand the extent that this goes to because <clears throat> your staff are encouraged and actually do all times will come up to you and say, look, Tony, you know, that adjustment that you gave to Bill or, I, you know, I, the report of findings, you're out of line, dude. Like, you know, you weren't present, you weren't there, you looked distracted, this was going on, smarten up. Like, that, they're, mm. they're encouraging within the rights to kind of have those kinds of conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. with you. Yep, yep. Yeah, so I often have a, a CA... Um, with me uh, in the rooms taking notes. Uh, and, and very commonly, that's my daughter, Virginia, who's just graduated with distinctions, got to say, um, <laughs> this week. So, Can we share uh, some of the other awards that she won as well? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, she apparently uh, knows how to, how to play as well as how to work. She's a, good so, uh, stunning, she's a ripper. Stunning human being. She's a ripper. So, so she'll often be in the rooms with me um, uh, taking notes and um, and once in a little while she'll before we go you know from one room to the next she will just take my arm and go all right just a little bit more focus a little bit more eye contact and just keep me keep me on track um, uh, that way so uh, there'd be some I'm sure there'd be some practices where if the practitioner was told that sort of stuff they would be very quickly putting that CA back in their box, but we value it and reward it and, uh, and encourage it. So, um, yeah. How, I got to imagine that that didn't start from day one, that, that there would be nervousness. How did you create an environment that fostered that, um, you know, rewarded it, encouraged it, all those kind of things that took some, you know, I'd imagine that if I went into a practice and, you know, all of a sudden I was the CEO, the hero of the practice, as so mm. many of us are positioned with as our practice, mm. and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm saying, well, I'm, I'm actually not anymore. You're the boss of what goes on and I need you to start giving me feedback. There would, I'm sure there would have been some nerves in around. It's really, really confronting for them. So it needs a lot of empathy from that perspective to just tease that out over time. Um, and I was crap at it for a start. Like I, um, uh, I would um, uh, justify and, and blame and deny and you know so uh, that's still my that's still my default response. I just have to take a few breaths before I speak sometimes because um, I think that's that's uh, well ingrained in me to to have that as my kind of foundational form of communication. Um, so so. Uh, being open and and responsive to that feedback is really important and it's self-fulfilling in a way in that when you do it there's gold in there mm. um you know when you, when you ask that question at the, at the progress review so you know you've written this on the form but come on now what's the real juice that's often when the mm. that's often when the, the good stuff comes out and that, that that's priceless like literally if you paid a consultant to come in and, and follow you around, they wouldn't get the they wouldn't get the nuance and the and the subtlety that, that our, our our team and our patients, our practice members can give us. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, it's 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 in our best interests to put our defensiveness aside and take that on board. So there are moments like uh, where Virginia will give you those feedback wishes in the room. Are there mm. other ways that you help to orchestrate? feedback from the staff is there a monthly catch-up where they're reviewing you are there every week. organized times where that would happen also yeah every week every week we have a team meeting um uh and uh there's there's a couple of points in there where we'll, we'll you know we'll talk about um we'll have a, a practice member of the week and we'll tell a great story about someone who has a great change we'll talk about our best thing of the week what was your highlight then we'll talk about our sticky moments where did things get where did things get stuck where did it not run as smoothly as it should? And often that will be 
um, a, a chance for us to, to look at a system or a procedure and, uh, or, a, or a way that a, a system or procedure was, was um, delivered and go, right, okay, that could be better. We need to change that system or procedure or we need to deliver that in a, in a more effective way. And I, and I often say that there, there are very rare, rarely people problems, but there are often system issues. Um, and so the temptation can be to say, oh, that person's not very good at that. Well, they don't have a very good set of strategies. They don't have a very good system. And so if we can fix the system, then, then that's really useful. So we'll look at that. And then um, usually the second half of our team meetings every week, around about a half an hour, 45 minutes, we'll do role play. So we'll pull out, um, you know, how is it that when we're giving a report findings that we deliver our recommendations? How is it when we're doing an examination that we'll test reflexes? Um, what do we do when we find um, a significant finding? What's our response to that? And we'll role play that. Um, when we've got someone who is um, experiencing acute pain, how do we deal with that? As opposed to someone who's had a long-term issue and you know, uh, how do we manage that sort of stuff? And we'll role play all of those things. And so the practitioners will run that through and the team will stand around and, and watch it. And afterwards, we'll go, you know, tell us all about that. And again, um, they'll go, although some of them will say, oh, it was great, yeah, really good, yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, okay, tell us what was crap, what could be better, what could we, what could we tune? And often we'll get really, really useful um, uh, feedback there. So, you know, we don't use any jargon in our, in our profession, in our practice. We don't, um, we don't talk about, um, uh, I can't give an example because we just don't use words that, that you'd find in a, in a pathology textbook. We yes. tend to calm it down um, uh, unless we're led by the, the patient to, to, to speak in that sort of language. Um, we try to avoid that because the feedback we've got is it's confusing and people walk out feeling a bit uncertain. Yes. So, um, so that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, in terms of um, how does that roll out into, into generating referrals, people um, need to like you before they'll refer to you. Mm. And so building rapport, um, communicating at a level that's understandable and shows care and empathy um, by doing things like making eye contact with people rather than, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of handy to have someone lying face down because they won't talk much and, and all that sort of stuff. So there's, again, what's good for the practitioner and what's good for the patient. Um, and yes, look, maybe there are ways where having someone lying down doing a breathing exercise uh, might be a great way to prepare them for an adjustment. But at some point in that communication, I want to make sure that I'm looking them in the eye and seeing who they are um, because that's that's gold. You know, shaking your hand matters. You know, putting a touch on someone's shoulder, those things make a difference. Um, I was um, so I talked about Virginia, who's just graduated. Two years before that, my son Oliver just graduated as a character mm -hmm. as well. So there's two of them now. Um, and I was talking with Oliver about um, some of this stuff recently, and he pulled out um, Murtaugh's. Uh, textbook of general practice. Now, John Murtaugh is a, a Victorian medical practitioner who wrote a book about um, being a GP. And there's a wonderful section at the front about listening and about um, seeing the whole person and taking a holistic, holistic perspective and, um, and being able to ask open-ended questions and, um, and explain the significance of your findings in a way that is impactful um, but empathic um, that will enlighten someone without frightening them mm. um, that um, that will demonstrate that you care about those things and that they matter and that that person matters um, that you can link those findings to whatever matters to that person um, and so some of that was in the Murtaugh book and I was like wow that's pretty cool because you know 20 25 years ago um, it was easy to be better than medical practitioners. You know, they'd got to, you know, you'd hear horror stories about people having their you know, abdominal surgery and there'd be a you know, swab left in or a 
pair of scissors or yeah, something. Pair of scissors, like. yeah, I'm crazy. Yeah. Um, cigarette butt, you know. But um, it's not what, you know, they're bloody good at it now. Yeah. yeah. Oliver, Oliver's just had a shoulder reconstruction after a skiing accident and uh, his experience was awesome. He was very well cared for um, and I can't fault it. So we can't sit on our laurels and just go, yeah, we're yeah. chiropractors and we touch people and we take care of them and we're, yeah. we're hands on. So we're better. We're not, mm. we're not some bloody good other practitioners around in the, in the allopathic model. Um, so we need to be on our game. And so yeah. all, all of that, um, makes it really important for us to get human feedback from people who aren't chiropractors about their experience. Um, yeah. It, it reminds me of the conversation that I had recently with Tony Ebel. He, he's talking about, you know, two of the bigger mistakes that we make are one, we have a language, a lexicon that most people look at, like, you know, innate intelligence and, mm. you know, concepts in there that we just take for granted you know, that when we're talking about, you know, nat even even things like natural healing ability and, you know, then we get stuck into subluxation and the central nervous system and the autonomic nervous system and, you know, sympathetic dominance. <clears throat> These things that roll off our tongue because we have, you know, we have a level of wisdom and or health genius in around mm. this that so many of our community don't. And then the second thing that we do is that we're very quick to whack the boots into the medical system and, you know, really give them a hard time. And, I, I've I've run this little experiment beforehand, and whilst everybody has room to improve, but if you get in a room of ten people and ask them to raise their hands, how many of them either have had a direct experience, or you know, one person removed to them where they feel that medicine has saved that person's life? I'm telling you, eight out of ten people will raise their hand. Yep. Now, whether medicine has actually done that or not is irrelevant. That's their perception of what's going on. And if you're going to spend the next ten, fifteen, thirty minutes talking about how evil they are, that they've got two choices, either make themselves and their own experience wrong or make you wrong. And mm. they're going to make you wrong. Uh, that's not the kind of thing that's going to build rapport with these people. And we just, it, and it's just not necessary for you to build relationships as, as well. Over this journey, the six plus years, what have the results been? You know, so it's all well and good to say, you know, I've now got staff, all this kind of stuff, and it's a lovely place to work, that kind of stuff there too. What have you seen in terms of percentage increase internal referrals for when things hit rock bottom to where they are now? Mm. Yeah, so um, our new patient flow is significantly higher. We, we now generate um, my practice. We, we've got my practice as an associate that's um, kind of growing her practice. So my practice is 80% is, uh, internal referrals mm. um, and, and uh, our associates is 50 which mm. is really Terrific. good, yeah. really good. You know, I'm, yeah. uh, and it's it's been great to watch that that grow. She's she's a gun. She's a ripper. So, um, you know, natural kind of process is that she'll be a little bit more reliant on on some of that external stuff. But yeah. um, that's changing by the month. So yeah. that, that number keeps climbing. Um, so um, so we're back up to towards the levels of of new clients that we used to see back when we were out there. Um, pound on the street, yeah, pound on the street, exactly. Um, but uh, but you know it's pretty much flipped. Yeah. You know, to, is, to be. Is there a number to keep numbers simple? Like if somebody was seeing a, a hundred visits a week, is there a number that they you know look if I'm doing a reasonable job, I could accept X percentage, X number per month, per week, whatnot. And you're because you've studied and spent so much time looking at this what would be a reasonable expectation that might be a reflection that you're making it easy for your patients to refer to you? Yeah, it depends, doesn't it? Like, I think um, it depends a bit on where you are in your practice growth. Yeah. Like if, if you're, that was, if that hundred a week was your kind of standard, I reckon you want to be seeing five. Yeah. You know, five internal week. referrals a week yeah. from that. Yeah. 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 So, um, and then it might be, um, you know, higher than that if you're really in a growth phase and, and, you know, there or thereabouts. If that was your, if that was your, um, that was your kind of plateau. That was your where you want to be at. Yeah. Um, I'd I'd say. Um, uh, you know, and that's not to say that it can't be higher than that. Mm. Um, but I think that's kind of a baseline starter. It it gives our listeners something to kind of aim for. You know, a podcast episode I released recently said, look, you know this time of year kind of prompts it 2020 you want your practice to grow i gave my kind of two tips on what i think it, it it ought to be and i said look 
if there's two things that I would focus on if I was in practice growth, thing number one would be getting better at what I was doing. Because it's yeah. no good bringing a bunch of people in. It'll just expose a bunch of the cracks. And I said, if you do just thing number one, I'll talk about thing number two in a moment, your practice will grow. You can't do thing number two without thing number one, though, because that, you know, that's, that will cause some problems. And, and you've done such a great job today of just articulating. I think where that starts is in an open dialogue with your staff and your practice members and asking them, like, you know, this idea of how do I get better? Well, I've got an idea for you. Maybe I could ask my staff and the people that come and see me and mm. do that in a way that creates safety for them. Because I would imagine that, you know, that when sometimes when somebody first reaches out to you and that you need to test to find out how real they are, you know, how much, if you've been berating your staff for the last 20 years and every time they stepped out of line that you gave them the you know, metaphorical clip around the ear hole. I think then expecting them to give you feedback, it may take months or years for them to start yeah. to do that for you and for your patients also. But mm. when you start from that and little implementations and, you know, just constantly with a focus of, I'm just going to continue just to get better at what I do. And because I think, you know, we haven't, you kind of touched on a little bit through there too. The natural state that most human beings are in is wanting to refer and not because it, it, it took me a while to really believe this until I checked back in with myself. When I'm referring, ultimately, it's a very selfish thing because I want to yes. send you to that relate, that restaurant, mostly because this, because I want to talk to you afterwards and hear you say it's fantastic and then I can take ownership of it. I'm, I'm such a exactly. cake man. But that's yeah. how most of our brains work. You know, I, I'm not doing it you know, for the restaurant, all those kind of things there too. I want to have the joy of saying, look at me, I'm the purveyor of all things restauranting. And if you enjoyed it, then Ooh. I'm responsible for that. Yep. So to realize that all our patients, our clients, our customers, whatever you want to call it, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for moments where they can look great to their friends and family. And if we just get out of the way and provide these moments for them, they'll do the rest. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. a stunning yeah. system. Yeah, and one of the things that that um, that I do in terms of strategy around that is when someone has referred um, a friend or family member, then I, you know, half a dozen visits into that new client's care and things are starting to change, I'll go back and I go, hey, Angus, you know how you referred Lauren in? Well, I've got to tell you, things are getting better. She's doing great. and uh, I'm sure she'll let you know, but... Um, yeah. And depending on how much you know about each other, you know, we might talk a little bit specific, but not much. Depends on the person. And, um, and, and will you ever say to that person who's starting to get better too, who Lauren happened to refer in, to get them to acknowledge Lauren back? Have you ever gone back that way? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Make, sure you, make sure you say thanks because, geez, I'm glad you're here. It's making yeah. a real difference, isn't it? They go, oh, changed my life. Yes. Awesome. Make sure you go back and let them know that, that that's been a good decision. You know, yes. so... So everyone, everyone gets involved because people like to, to have the great experience. They like to be involved in generating the great experience. And then they like to hear back about it again and have that kind of thickened, you know, yeah. that, 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 uh, experience, the, the more it's touched on, the thicker the, the experience is, you know, and that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, so. it's very much a strategy that we do at our practice from both sides. One, to thank the referrer, but, you know, let them know Bill's doing great. And then when I'm seeing Bill go, man, you're doing so great, man. Be sure to, you know, how lucky are we that Lauren told you about this in mm. whatever the situation is there too. Hey, buddy, thank you for sharing. So I, I'm, I'm always moved by your, the level of braveness that you have. And, you know, there are moments throughout this conversation that, you know, Mackenzie, who you know, my daughter is working with me at the moment. And one of the challenges that I have is taking feedback from her. I feel like I'm good with my staff, but mm. but then there's next level of that too. But you're so you're so up for just getting better and putting yourself in vulnerable situations. Um, you know, Brett Brown would be very proud of the vulnerability <laughs> and courage that you show there too. So, buddy, I, I really want to acknowledge you for that and. You know, for our listeners, um, if they want to follow up with you in any way, reach out to you. What's their best ways to find you? Oh, look, shoot, shoot me a, a message on Facebook or um, uh, email tony at liberty-health.com.au. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty easy to get a hold of either of those ways. And, uh, yeah, happy to help where I can. 
Yeah. And, and gang, all of, you know, I, I've watched this journey of Tony over these years to see how he's changed his practice. And um, he's been incredibly humble with the way that he's explained. It's every bit as wonderful as what he's talked about and, and more so for that too. So dude, I love you. I love all that you're yeah. doing. I'm, I'm so grateful that, uh, that you're a friend of mine and I'm, I'm also really thankful that I've got this resource here that I can be constantly directing people back to now you know, they're just looking at avenues of, of how to be better at what they're doing. So any final thoughts, dude? It's been fun, hasn't it? Um, yeah, look, remember that I think the, the thing for us to get is to remember that we are there to serve, that we are there to, to make a difference to people, and that people are carrying, carrying burdens that we have no idea about. Mm-hmm. And if we, can, if we can get close enough to them to uh, at least even understand that, um, and I think one of the measures of that is if we can sit in an initial consultation with someone and feel like we need to keep our own emotion in check about bloody hell, that sounds tough, then we're probably getting on the right track around having the level of empathy that's needed to create a connection. Um, and I use that as a bit of a measure of, of my connection with people is am I, am I emotionally moved by what's happening in the room? and and are they? Mm. Because if we can get that emotional movement, then that's what gets people to take physical action. Um, and whether that's changing their own health behaviours or or committing to their chiropractic care or mm. sharing it with somebody else, then you know, yeah. that's, that's where we do stuff from. So uh, I love you too, mate. I really have uh, enjoyed this. And uh, um, yeah, thanks, Hate, for the opportunity. Good for So have a wonderful rest of day. Gang, you've been listening to the Marketing Your Practice podcast with the incredible Tony Croak. Dude, see you soon. Cheers, mate. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come and check out the Community Influencer Program. It's my monthly coaching program where we take all this material and I'll work one-on-one with you to apply, implement, systematize and help guide you and your practice to the next level. Now, you can join me on over at adiomedia.com forward slash join. That's adiomedia.com forward slash join. I'd love to see you in there.